Real quick, before we get into the show, I wanted to share a new service called Getita that Ken and I have been using that has made us over $10,000 in Amazon reimbursements. The service requires no monthly subscription, and Getita collects a small percentage of the money they recover for you. It takes less than five minutes to set up and works on all Amazon marketplaces. Go to getita.com, G-E-T-I-D-A, and enter promo code FTM400. That's FTM for firing the man 400 to get your first $400 in reimbursements commission free. How much money does Amazon owe you? Don't spend a lot on your first product. Do some market research and ultimately just have a good product that people love because the rest is just like bells and whistles. Right? So, Welcome everyone to the Firing the Man podcast, a show for anyone who wants to be their own boss. If you sit in a cubicle every day and know you are capable of more, then join us. This show will help you build a business and grow your passive income streams in just a few short hours per day. And now your hosts, serial entrepreneurs, David Schomer and Ken Wilson. Welcome, everyone, to the Firing the Man podcast. On today's episode, we continue our interview with Pat Lum discussing strategies in PPC and tactics that are working in 2022. If you didn't listen to part one, go back to last week's episode and tune in. Hope you enjoy the show. So this leads into another question I was wanting to talk to you about, and that is the topic of cannibalizing sales with PPC. And so... I will share with you just a general trend that we've observed. One thing that we look at pretty like on a weekly basis is what percentage of our sales came from PPC and what came from organic. And we have, it varies by brand, but we love those brands that have a lot of organic sales, right? And you always hear people say, drive PPC. You may break even at PPC, but that's going to drive organic sales. And at the end of the day, we're interested in generating net income. And so what we've done is we had brands that were running at say uh, 15 to 20% tacos. So for our listeners, that would be your ad spend divided by total sales. And we've trimmed that back to between eight and 10%. And what we've seen in a lot of instances is that our organic sales have increased. And so how does that relate to can like cannibalizing sales? My thought is, that if you could make an organic sale or Amazon could take a sponsored product ad, charge you, and you still make that sale, they're going to go with the latter because it's going to put more money in their pocket. And so we are constant, like on a weekly basis, asking ourselves, what's the right level of spend for this ad, this account? And so what we've done is we've trimmed ad spend until we see that the relationship between organic and PPC sales kind of flatten out. Are we engaging in a thoughtful experiment or is this mental gymnastics and are, are we missing a really important piece of information? So, yeah. So we, Takos is an important one to look at. It, it, we're actually, so generally we think of it as net profit dollars. So a per, net profit dollars per SKU. So any activities that you can do to increase that are helpful. So it's sort of it's sort of takeos agnostic in a sense. It goes right to the bottom line and tries to optimize for that, if that makes sense. So, and it's on a skew level too. So, like general, say a general benchmark would be like a ten percent takeo. So that's actually like that's very healthy. That's a mature account that's running. It might not be growing super aggressively because new things aren't being pushed, but ten percent is like 
even like up to 15, I would say is like a good mature running account that's making money. And then beyond that, what you'd want to look at in terms of aggressively pushing stuff is like is net profit dollars per SKU. And that I find to be pretty instructive because that allows you to spend like that allows you to have whatever takeos you want on SKU level, as long as the organic sales were there to catch you on the other side. Got it. Okay. That's a helpful way to think about it. For to the listeners who tuned out there as we went into the weeds, thanks for hanging in there. (laughs) But anyway, no, that that's really helpful. Ken, over to you. For sure. And so I want to just turn back the dial a little bit and speak to something Pat said earlier is that it's almost like you you can't polish a turd. And so if you have a, you know, if your product is just horrible, like none of the stuff we're talking about is going to work. And so like Pat alluded to earlier, like fundamentals, like getting a great product, sourcing a great product, testing at R&D before you ever get to the point where you're trying to dial in marketing. Super helpful. And I totally agree. Like use those resources on that as well as conversion rate optimization before ever even trying to go deep into that. So Pat, it's an interesting question. And this is completely anonymous, just at a high level, but in your experience in the last, you know, 10 years of, of doing business in Amazon, you interact with lots of sellers, products, different accounts. Have you seen any common threads that you've observed? And there'll be two answers. One, A, the top 20%, like who's crushing it? And B, the turds, like what doesn't work? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So it's a great point you just made in regards to the product. Like the gr- great product is the prerequisite. That's the ticket to entry. So it doesn't, it never wavers. And so just for folks that, you know, if you find if you have a three and a half star average, you know, a four star average, you don't have to do sponsor display right now, right? Like you just fix up the house a little bit and get, you know, and, and you'll be, you'll be much happier in the long term. It, I guess it's the issue is like, you can run a sponsor display ad now, but you can't talk to your supplier and get the issues fixed and analyze the customer complaints and do that all in 30 seconds. Like that's, it's just work, right? But that's what it takes. In terms of, okay, so I, I spend I spent a lot of time this past year looking at six-figure brands versus seven-figure brands because there's an interesting like gap between them. There's a few things that kind of, that six-figure brands are, because even backing up a second, like why is it important to go from six to seven figures? The reason in my estimation is that you're, you know, most sellers are actually not making a lot of money, like actual profit running a six-figure Amazon business. After FBA fees, cost of goods, advertising, you know, it's not, it's just not that much. So if we want to fire the man and get free and like have total control over financials and time, it's really more towards that seven figure range where that stuff starts happening just by virtue of that. Like these businesses don't have, they have physical product margins. So it takes a certain amount of scale to sort of get to escape velocity. So it's important, like it's an imperative to get to seven at least, right? That's a good place to be. And you're also sturdier too. So if a product goes out, you probably have multiple products and you can take a hit too, right? You're just more durable as a business. So if we agree that it's important to go from six to seven, the question is how? And I think there's, the first thing is like, to go from six to seven, like you start to have to stop being like an owner operator and doing everything yourself. You have to write down some SOPs, Google Docs, or Asana, just don't make it complicated, just wherever you want to write down instructions for the stuff that you're doing every day, take it and give it to your team. And it doesn't have to be expensive, right? You think delegation may have to be expensive, but you can find some folks on Upwork or get an agency or just get your nephew to help you out on weekends. Like it's not, it can be flexible like that. So you just start getting stuff off your plate and start documenting things. Second thing is like the biggest sellers I've found, I have never seen an enormous seller. Like I'm talking like 10, 10 million plus 
that didn't have a ton of products. This is another sort of basic truth that people seem to ignore is like, I call it the many fish hooks theory. Like you're going to have to just launch a ton of stuff in order to scale revenue on Amazon. Don't think that you're going to have five products and they're all going to be hits. That's just not the case. Like one to four to one in five products will be a hit and carry a lot of revenue in for you. And the rest, you may just have to scale back or discontinue or there'll be moderate players, but you just have to launch enough stuff in order to get a hit that the algorithms seem to like. And then, yeah, and then do that. It's sort of a less pronounced version of like TikToks going viral on social media where just because we're students of these algorithms, like a TikTok will just pick up from an anonymous account and get a million views. That's a very real reality on that platform. On Amazon, it's a little bit less exaggerated, but you'll still see that one in four to one in five products will be really good. And then the rest just won't take off for whatever reason. And it's being sort of agnostic about that and just acknowledging that reality and then launching a bunch of products. And they don't all necessarily have to be closely related and brand building and that sort of thing. I would, you know, air more on the side of, you know, pursue opportunities as you find them. Yeah. So SOPs and documentation and, and just launching a ton of stuff, I think, is are two good places to start. And then the stuff that you launch has to be, you know, good to our points. Now, Pat, one thing you said that I definitely agree with is getting stuff off your plate and kind of getting out of the mindset of an owner operator. When I look at my business, the first one I started, there's several inflection points, either where something went really well or something went very bad, badly. One of the first inflection points that I had was when I hired Asteroid X. I remember talking to Ken. Ken was the one that recommended them or recommended you guys. And he said, what are you doing for PPC? And I said, I self-manage it. I'm really good at spreadsheets. I'm a CPA. And he was like, well, how are you doing? Are you profitable? And I was like, no, I'm not. What it made me realize was you can be really good at spreadsheets and not good at PPC. They're two different skill sets. One may help with the other, but, and that was something that if you look at my revenue and income, that was a big inflection point early on. And so can you tell us more about Asteroid X, the services that you provide and the typical customer that would be a good fit for Asteroid X? Yeah, it's, Again, because we're an advertising company, so we can't fix the product. So that that part is on the brands to to bring. I've seen we just recently saw like you know, and again, results not typical, but we saw a zero to twenty thousand dollar a month revenue increase. This is total revenue in about forty five days, just because the product was so good. Like there's more shoppers on Amazon than ever, and so it's an interesting opportunity for that reason. But it's based on product, it, and the whole door hinges on product. It's a small hinge that moves a big door. And so, yeah, in terms of our work, like we're Amazon advertising specialists, it's all we do. And that's all we've been doing for about six years now, six, seven years, because it is one of those, once you have a good product, it's a very powerful point of leverage to scale an Amazon business. It's pretty much what, yeah. What are, I'm just curious for you guys, like what were some of the other inflection points that you found in your sort of journey so far? I have a couple. So sure. self-managed, going from self-managing PPC to, to hiring somebody, I would say, but the one before that was just hiring somebody to take 10 hours of work off of my plate a week, having one VA, that was huge, especially because I was working a full-time job. Yeah. And so I could give an hour of instruction and have 10 hours of work completed. And that was another one. I would also say like hiring in areas of that I was weak and I knew I was weak. Photoshop is an example of this. I took, I spent two complete weekends, like 12 hour days trying to learn Photoshop. At the end of those two weekends, I was still not great at Photoshop. And so I think like a, a lot around team building. And then I would also say brand registry was one where getting a trademark, it was a pain, but it, that we saw our conversion rate go up quite a bit from that. And I would say 
Most recently, it's been international expansion. However, you'll need to check back with me in a year and I'll tell you which ones we, we really like and which ones we don't. Yeah. If you ask me today, like as I sit here recording this, I'm a huge fan of Canada. I'm not quite sure about UK and Germany has been a tough country to import into. That opinion is subject to change. Sorry to interrupt the episode. You may have heard Ken and I talking recently about a new tool that we're using for Amazon refunds. Now, I have used other refund tools like this. However, I can tell you in the first seven days, they scrubbed the back end of my Amazon account going back 18 months and found $5,000 of refunds. And the nice thing about this is it's my money. Amazon made a mistake and they are just auditing my account. The other thing I really like about this tool is there is no monthly fee. They only charge a commission if they are successful in getting you your money. Go to getida.com, G-E-T-I-D-A, and enter promo code FTM for firing the man, FTM400. This is an awesome tool. Can't say enough good things about it. Now, back to the episode. So, Ken, what about you? I would, those are good ones. Yeah, so... I've got so a couple that David did not hit on. One would be, and I and these I'll give two. One is like a revenue jump, and the second one is like a time take back. Like I got more of my time, which is happiness, and I'm able to work on a higher level stuff. So I would say, um, whenever we hired an operations manager to manage, I think we were at ten. I think we were at either eight or ten employees at the time, and so David and I were. Like we were, you know, each had four or five direct reports and we hired an operations manager who kind of took that role. And, and so it freed up a ton of time. And so that was not a revenue spike, but a time, I got a lot of time back. And then another, I would say is having mature processes. And I'll, th this goes hand in hand with saying no. And so I think over time I've been able to, I have shiny object syndrome. I love software. I love like cool shit. And so over time, I'm, I think I'm getting better at taking all, you know, because the marketers of the world, the Pats and everybody are throwing all this stuff at us. Oh, these shiny, right? And so like, you have to be really good at like testing some things, figuring out what actually works and then implementing that. And so like, I've got a stack of stuff here. Anytime I go to like a conference or something, you know, you're getting all this stuff and then whittling it down to like, what actually, what can you plug in and make work? right away that will help your business. I think that's something that you can develop over time. I'm still not the best at I'm getting good. And I would say like mature processes that really help spiked revenue quite a bit. It's like, hey, just do more of what's working and create processes for it and then repeat that. So we see mature processes as opposed to like processes you're talking about, like kind of sc scaled out versions of an existing process, like to up the volume versus like do something different. If you want tips and strategies on how to start, grow, and monetize your business online, check out the Digital Revolution podcast with Eli Adams. We interview digital experts from around the world that share their personal stories. They talk about what they're currently working on and where they see the future going. But most importantly, they share tactics in their specific area of expertise with the hope of helping you improve your digital presence online. You can listen to the Digital Revolution podcast on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, iHeartRadio, or simply click on the link in the show notes below. Yeah, to put it into a, a more context, like say you develop a process on a Google Doc, you know, six months ago, and then you wait six months, you go back in, and then you write it and update it and refine it to what's working now. 
and then do that a couple of times. And by the time okay, the third okay. time you do, that's a pretty mature process that you've ran through the ringer several times. And so gotcha, that's gotcha. pretty helpful. Oh, that's a cool concept, mature process. Okay. I, I would also add to that mature processes is if you were to give that SOP to somebody in your company that has no previous experience, the, all the questions that they have as they're going through it identifies the holes you have. And if they can go through it start to finish with no previous experience, then you've got a good process. And ultimately that's what you want, right? Like employee A is out sick, employee B, we need you to fill in. Here's exactly what to do. And so we're, it's an ever evolving process. And honestly, hiring an operations manager has been key for us to get that off the ground. So do you, do you guys like video walkthroughs for SOP? This is my, my, my partner and I disagree about this because he's like, if we write down text, it'll, it's more scalable because you can change text really quickly. And if the text is concise, somebody could run the SOP. But I've more been a fan of like images and video, but it's very hard to change after the fact. Do you guys have a take on it? Yeah. Go ahead, David. My opinion is a video is better than nothing. And we have a lot of people in our company that will make a Loom video or screen recording, whatever you use. But if you ask them to sit down and take screenshots and write out everything, it's just not going to get done or not going to get done in time. And so I think Loom videos are a good thing. You can also outsource this where you have a Loom video, give it to somebody, then they take the screenshots and then type up the text. And so, but I think a process is better than no process. Yeah, I would just follow up that with, I think a mature process is like typed out and find over time. Whereas a video, like David said, if you have nothing, have your team write down the 10 tasks they do and just go create a two to five minute video for it. They can be, do that in an hour and then at least you're out of the gate with something. But you can't, I mean, you're not going to have a video editor, like edit videos or, you know, in the space we're in, like, softwares are constantly changing. Amazon's software constantly change. You know, every time I log in, there's a new dashboard, there's a new thing here. And so screenshots and videos over time, they're going to be, you know, legacy. Yeah. Now, one question I want to get into before we get into the fire round is, Pat, you invited us to be a guest on your podcast and and you got a lot of great content. Pat Lum is the handle on YouTube and I'd encourage our audience to go check it out. But one of the things that when we were done recording, I asked Ken, hey, did you notice anything different about Pat? And one thing that we've noticed just through Zoom is that from a physical standpoint, you have changed. You have made incredible progress, look like you've put on a, a lot of muscle in just, I know that doesn't just happen. And about two years ago, we had a conversation. You were doing a program called 75 Heart. And so can you talk about this process, this transformation and, you know, what areas in your life have you seen the benefit? And then also kind of speak to the entrepreneurs that say, and I've been this person a lot of times who say, I'm super busy building a business. I don't have time to exercise. So give us your thoughts on this. We've all been there. We've all been that person at various points. There's no shame in it at all. So I think, okay, so so 75 Art, I've done a few times. It's a program by Andy Frisella, who is a, actually an e-commerce entrepreneur as well. He has a supplement company. I believe they have over a $100 million run rate. And he's put out just a challenge, just a general issue, challenge to build discipline in folks. And so it's five simple tasks. So it's two workouts every day. Each workout is 45 minutes. One of them has to be outdoors. One of them is outdoors to show you that it's okay to work out in the rain. Nothing bad's going to happen to you. 
kind of thing, right? Stick to a diet. So this could be any diet that you choose. For me personally, in the last round, I used something called the perfect health diet, which is from some Harvard researchers. You can look that up, but you got to stick to the diet strictly. There's no cheat meals. So there's no chocolate, no candy, no sugar, no fried foods, nothing like that. No alcohol also. A progress picture a day, which has the psychological effect of sort of visually tracking progress. And you have a suite before and after too, if, you, if on day one versus day 75, 10, 10 pages of reading from a nonfiction book. So for me, I read business books or, you know, marketing books or whatever, but you could read just anything as long as it's nonfiction. And then there's, well, there's one more I know I'm missing. Right. A gallon of water, gallon of water a day. So this is what I have for that. This is, this is a two liter bottle. I'll drink two of these a day. And it's, and the thing is, I still have this bottle. The stuff sticks like after it ends. Are you going to start actively dehydrating yourself based on what you're used to? No, absolutely not. Like, so the stuff sticks. And just in terms of general fitness, if people are familiar with like bulk and cut cycles, this is great for a cut. So it's great for lowering body fat percentage while retaining the muscle that you have. And then for bulking, I'll use just Google strong lifts five by five. Again, if you just talk about the basics, like this is a program that focuses on basic compound lifts. So deadlifts and barbell rows, presses, bench press, like there's just, I think there's about probably five exercises in this thing. And you do th three of them in a workout and that's it, right? But that gets, because they're compounds and they focus on large parts of the body with barbells, it's simple as that, right? So those are my two sort of fitness, I guess, frameworks, you know, one for the, one for the bulk and one for the cut. Yeah. And yeah. I've, yeah, I've probably, as of like in my early twenties, I probably, you know, I was about maybe 145 to 150 pounds and now I'm about 185 maybe. Nice. Nice. Wow. Yeah. So to set the stage to the listeners who's not on our YouTube, well, for one, go to YouTube and watch this. But for two, I'll paint a picture. The last time we were on a Zoom call with Pat, after the call, David said, hey, Ken, did you notice anything different about Pat? I said, yeah, Pat looks like a, a linebacker now. And so 145 to 185. Wow. That's a pretty good jump, man. That's awesome. Congrats. Thanks, man. That's awesome. We talk about ROAS, return on ad spend. What's been your ROAT? return on training in terms of energy level, business, what have been some benefits that, that you've felt as you've stepped up your game in this department? One thing that's taught me is that there's always extra time in the day. Now, I don't have kids yet, right? I want them, but I don't have them yet. You guys tell me better. But like, it seems like, you know, the day is full. I couldn't possibly get any fuller. And then I imagine you have kids and then you got to take care of that and you still manage to get everything done. So it just goes to show that, you know, there's enough time of the day for everything. I think what this taught me was, you know, you can do two 45-minute workouts a day and still get everything done that you need to get done in the business. And the other thing was, like, it's this, it trained me on a constant, repetitive, like, one unidirectional, like, grind mode where basically, like, like for me, just personally, for our business, like, I've been posting, I, I sort of made a, a resolution to post something online every day, content-wise, and I started on August 1st, 2022, and I've committed myself for a year, right? So I'm going to post online every day for a year, right? YouTube shorts, TikTok, stuff like that. And I started on August 1st. And because of the discipline that was instilled in me from 75 hard, it's been relatively easy to just post every day. You And you record when you're tired. You record when you're sick. You record when you don't feel like recording. You get in front of the camera and you try to help some folks on the internet. So that pattern sort of carried over from physical discipline, mental discipline can follow. And it's just really easy and tangible to train physical stuff. So that's why going from physical to mental is probably easier than psyching yourself up and trying to get mental motivation out of nowhere. The physical just helps things run like a machine would run. And ironically, you'd think it's mechanical, but also within those confines, there is room for creativity. So you sort of create 
open space w- within the confines of some discipline. Yeah. So that's what it's been. And aesthetically, I mean, I don't really care. I'm, I'm more interested in like lifting heavier weights because I just, I'm like stupid or something where I feel like I just like, if I could push, you know, 315, then that would be cool. Like, it's just kind of dumb, but there's no rhyme or reason to that. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what that's about. Yeah. Well, very nice. Very nice. Right. Well, let's, can anything else before we get into the fire round? No. I think we're good. I think we had a well-rounded chat. We talked PPC, high level, low level. We talked breakdancing. We talked lifting. I mean, we, we, you know, fitness, mental. Yeah. We're a well-rounded chat. So are you ready for the fire round, Pat? Let's do it. What is your favorite book? I have, you've caught me in my study. So current favorite, okay, is, is this one. It's called Working Backwards. Two Amazon executives, this is the plot. Two, two Amazon executives leave Amazon start a consultancy and start teaching businesses about Amazon's own internal business processes. I don't even know how they got the blessing for this, but they must have. Yeah. And so this is, it's a pretty good size as well. Like stuff about Amazon's internal business processes around narratives, one page narrative writing, how they manage people, their hiring process. I I use this exact hiring process because it's so good at removing bias from hiring. And uh, so I just love it. It's really great. And it's a recent publication as well. I think this is the last five years, maybe 20, yeah, 2021. So pretty fresh off the presses. Honorable mentions are good to great, which gets cited a lot for good reason. Again, it's an emphasis on people and team building. And I think it's very instructive. And if you're feeling philosophical, a little bit out to lunch, but in in a good way, I haven't finished this one yet. This is finite and infinite games. The theory is that there's two types of games in this world, finite, which you're trying to win and you're trying to end it, and infinite, which the players just play in that game for its own sake. And it's just, it's fun. And the goal of the game is just to continue playing. And I, uh, yeah, I think it's just an interesting philosophy. Yeah, a vision of life is play and possibility. So just to balance out all the hard, the hard-nosed business stuff. So there's three for you. That's awesome. Very cool. What are your hobbies? <laughs> On the strength training piece. So I wasn't strength training for no reason. Like, I wanted to strength train because I wanted to fight. And so in the last year, I picked up Brazilian jiu-jitsu, which is fantastic. Because I knew I was going to get crushed at one, you know, 145, 150. So I had to bulk up. So I did. And now I've been on the mats. Just, yeah, just fighting some guys. Awesome. It's all in good fun. So yeah, it's good yeah. activity. Yeah. Very cool. What is the one thing that you do not miss about working for the man? I have... Very little corporate experience. So I, w- I worked at a clothing store and I worked at a at an ice cream shop and that's, and everyone was really nice the whole time. So I, I don't, you know, I guess I got really lucky where people were just really nice and kind and didn't give me any problems. So the man for me is more just like the man that you could become if you did all the right stuff. So that's awesome. Not the title all of this right, podcast, but it's too long. The <laughs> Firing the man that you would have been if you were never the guy. All right, last one. What do you think sets apart successful e-commerce entrepreneurs from those who give up, fail, or never get started? Give up, fail, or never get started. There was a venture capitalist, I forget which one, but a noted one. And he would, they were like, hey, do you think entrepreneurs should drop out of college to pursue their careers? And he's like, you know what? I have a blanket policy where I just, any entrepreneur that asks me if they should drop out, I say, don't do it. And he said, this accomplishes two things. Like, Every entrepreneur that is destined to drop out and has the drive to drop out will drop out anyway, regardless of what I say. And the ones that were not meant to will, will stay in school and that's fine. And they were meant to be in school because they don't, you know. So I think part of it is about just self-determining what you really want to do. And there's no, you know, there's no shame in never getting started. Like maybe you actually really don't want to get started and this, and that's okay, right? Because if, if what you're doing is working and you like it, then you just do that, right? But so... Yeah. So that's about getting started, like about getting started. If you are going to get started, you, sh- you should, 
And if you're not, then some part of you does not actually want to get started in the first place. I think that's where I'm going with that. And uh, for those starting on the e-commerce track, don't spend a lot on your first product. Do some market research and just have a, ultimately just have a good product that people love because the rest is just like bells and whistles. And right? so awesome. Very cool. David, over to you. Pat, I want to thank you for being a second time guest on the Firing the Man podcast. This has been a lot of fun and a conversation I really enjoyed. If people are interested in getting in touch with Asteroid X and considering outsourcing their PPC agency, what would be the best way? Sure. Just head over to it's asteroidx.com. So A-S-T-E-R-O-I-D X, letter X.com. Yeah. Or just check us out on YouTube. We also, David, Ken, and I also had another chat. If you search that on YouTube, it'll pop right up. We just have a good time. Like it's just fun. Right? So, Definitely. Well, thank you so much, Pat. We really appreciate it and looking forward to staying in touch. Thanks. We'll see you. Thank you everyone for tuning in to today's Firing the Man podcast. If you like this episode, head on over to firingtheman.com and check out our resource library for exclusive Firing the Man discounts on popular e-commerce subscription services. That is firingtheman.com backslash resource. You can also find a comprehensive library of over 50 books that Ken and I have read in the last few years that have made a meaningful impact on our business. For that, head on over to www.firingtheman.com slash library. Lastly, check us out on social media at Firing the Man and on YouTube at Firing the Man for exclusive content. This is David Schomer and Ken Wilson. We're out. Before you go, we wanted to share a new service that Ken and I have been using called Getita that has made us over $10,000 in Amazon reimbursements. The service requires no monthly subscription and Getita collects a small percentage of the money they recover for you. It takes less than five minutes to set up and works on all Amazon marketplaces. Go to getita.com, G-E-T-I-D-A dot com and enter promo code FTM400. That's FTM for Firing the Man 400 to get your first $400 in reimbursements commission free. How much money does Amazon owe you?